What's up, listeners, and welcome back to Black and Cold, a true crime podcast for the overshadowed. My name is Nichelle. I am your host, and this week I am back with a brand new episode. Today, I will be discussing a cold case from 2008 regarding a 16-year-old who went missing out of Missouri. This case has received extremely little media attention from the very beginning, but I do feel like now and within the past few years or so, it's kind of been getting some much-needed newer coverage. And, you know, I definitely feel this is helpful, do not get me wrong, but I do feel like if her story reached the right amount of people when it was fresh and it received the right amount of attention, even within the investigation itself, things maybe could have been different. And maybe this young lady's loved ones would not feel how they feel 15 years later. This is The Disappearance of Shamika Kosi. Shamika Kenyatta Kosi, or Mika, as the people closest to her would call her, was born on October 1st of 1992. She grew up in a loving household with her mother, Paula Hill, along with her two sisters, Shamika being the middle child. From a very early age, she showed signs of wanting to be independent, and Shamika was described to always see the best in others. In 2008, Shamika was a sophomore at Hazelwood West High School, where she was known to be outgoing and have many friends. Because her baby sister was so much younger than her, at only eight months old, almost daily Shamika would take on the huge responsibility to watch her after school while their mom went to work, so she was definitely reliable. But although she was super helpful and hands-on with her family, Being in the 10th grade, Shamika was at that age where she wanted to be more free-spirited and she began to like boys. Now, Paula says she did not allow Shamika to date during this time, but her mom told the Intrigued Full Effect podcast that she knew Shamika had a crush on someone during this time, and he was a classmate of hers named Jeremy. But although the two of them may not have been dating per se, She would see Shamika write things like hearts with his name in it. She would doodle Shamika likes Jeremy. Just that little cute teenage stuff that was happening in 2008. But shortly before her disappearance, which I will be jumping into in just a second, Shamika had the opportunity to attend her school's homecoming. And this seems like this was a fun and exciting time for her. And it's sadly one of the last photo memories that Paula has of her daughter. On December 28, 2008, 16-year-old Shamika started out her Sunday by spending some quality time with her mom. The two of them actually went to visit one of Paula's friends that day. And sometime while they were there, Shamika decided to step outside. 
When the time came for Paula to want to leave and go home, she began looking around for Shamika. But this is when she learned that she went out for a walk. Paula was not the happiest when she first heard of this news because, for one, Shamika was not familiar with the area they were in. Two, she was only 16. And three, Paula has not been shy about admitting that sometimes she could be overprotective when it came down to her children. But when Shamika finally returned, from what it seems, her and her mom got into your usual teenage parent type of conversation, where she expressed that her mom was too overprotective sometimes, and Paula expressed her concerns right back, that it was dangerous for a teenage girl to be wandering off by herself. So as the day went on, later that evening, Shamika would then ask her mom to sleep over at her cousin's house, who lived in the neighborhood of Berkeley. And this wasn't an unusual ask because Shamika stayed there all the time, so easily Paula agreed. Paula's niece came by to pick up Shamika, and she watched the two of them drive off together from in front of her apartment. When the next day came, December 29th, Paula woke up to a concerning phone call from her sister, asking her if Shamika came home. She quickly responded no and was kind of confused because Shamika was supposed to be at her house. But Paula's sister went on to say that when her boyfriend woke up around 8, 8.30 a.m. that morning, Shamika was nowhere to be found and their front door was left cracked open. It appeared that she took her jacket and her purse with her, but left behind on the counter were some of Shamika's other personal belongings, including her overnight bag. Now, Shamika did not have a cell phone, so it wasn't like anyone could just call or shoot her a text. So Paula obviously went into panic mode at this time, and this is when she contacted the police. Officers of the Berkeley, Missouri Police Department were dispatched to the home where Shamika was known to be last. They spoke with Paula's niece, or Shamika's cousin, who was able to provide them with some information, but she truly had no idea where she had gone. So the cousin told authorities and Paula that Shamika used her phone to call someone while she was over there. And she added that she was kind of in and out of the house throughout the night. Reporter Shandrea Thomas told ABC that around 1 o'clock a.m. into the morning of December 29th, this is when Shamika left outside and she left the house. As officers looked around, they did not see any signs of foul play anywhere in the home, nor did they see any signs of a forced entry. According to Paula, the police did not take a report that day, and from the information that they were briefly given, They classified Shamika as a runaway because they felt she walked out on her own. The Daily Blast Live reported that around 48 hours after Shamika went missing, law enforcement did decide to speak with Jeremy, her classmate she was known to have a crush on. And according to Paula, the information he started giving the police, well, some of it surprised her. So Jeremy told the Berkeley PD that Shamika was known to hang out at adult nightclubs in the East St. Louis area. He said she smoked, she hung out with older men, 
and he said that she was cheating on him with other guys. Paula was taken back by some of his information that was shared with her, and she was kind of thinking to herself, like, when did my daughter even have time to do these things? But with Jeremy providing this info to investigators, they continued to push their original theory. They attempted to ease Paula's mind by suggesting that Shamika would just return. She was out of school on winter break for the holidays, and she was 16 years old, a prime time for teenagers to enter their rebellious stage. But Paula was not with any of that, as Shamika never threatened to run away from home. She knew her daughter may have not been the most innocent or the most honest person with her, but she really felt law enforcement was just trying to put off their best efforts in looking for her, period. On top of that, with Shamika's overnight bag being left behind at her cousin's house, Paula felt she had intentions on coming back. And with that, she did exactly what any other parent would do in this situation, and this is when Paula started to investigate on her own and search for Shamika herself. So beginning her own investigation had Paula think back to a concerning moment she didn't even realize that she had with her daughter five months before she disappeared. Sometime during that summer, she remembered Shamika getting into a dark vehicle that favored a Chrysler 300, and this was with an older man that Paula had never seen before. When Paula confronted Shamika about who this individual was, she kind of just waved it off and said to her, like, Mom, it's not that big of a deal. And she told Paula this was a friend of hers that was just using his parents' car at the time. But fast forwarding to now, this was something that obviously stuck out to Paula as she was learning more information about what Shamika may have been doing without her knowledge, and she feared she really could be in some type of danger. Now, if learning things about your child after she went missing wasn't hard enough, Paula's oldest daughter had to break some more hard news to her at this time, as she knew she couldn't hold secrets anymore now that Shamika was officially missing. Paula was interviewed by the ID channel's web segment, The Missing, and she told them that this is when she learned that Shamika was, in fact, speaking with or possibly seeing an older man who was in the military. It has never been confirmed if this person was the same guy that Paula saw her daughter getting in the car with, and there are really no other details regarding this, but I definitely felt it was worth mentioning. In the process of looking into her daughter and learning who she was in contact with lately, Paula then discovered that Shamika also had a fake ID. Now, the card was learned to be the actual ID of an older sister of one of Shamika's friends. Paula knew this girl and Shamika favored each other, so this had to be what she was using to get into these adult establishments. Gratefully enough, this friend and her family lived right in the apartment below, so Paula knew she had to go there and ask these friends some questions that could maybe point her in the direction to finding out where Shamika is. Unfortunately, though, Paula has come out and stated in many of her interviews 
that she attempted to get information from the young girls who lived below. And this was with their parents' consent because they were minors. But according to Paula, their family has always made it be known that they did not want to get involved, which she found to be very strange. And besides being strange, this was just flat out frustrating for her because it seems like Shamika really grew close to those girls that were living in that apartment. Paula said her daughter used to go there a lot, so she really didn't understand why no one was trying to help her knowing that Shamika was now missing and these were the people she consistently hung out with. But even without much help there or from authorities, Paula and her family continued to conduct their own investigation. And because it was known that Shamika made a call using her cousin's phone that day, her loved ones actually tried to get in contact with the number and track down who she spoke to. So when Shamika's family called that number, a woman answered on the other line. And when asked if she knew of Shamika or Mika, she told them right away that they had the wrong number. Paula stated that her niece did not believe this lady for some reason, but with feeling like they had very little help from law enforcement, how could they even prove that she wasn't telling the truth? We know 2008 was surely a different time, and the trail of social media was very scarce compared to how it could be today. The only account Shamika had, according to her mom, was a MySpace page, which Paula tried to look through. However, she didn't locate anything concerning that she felt needed to be followed up on. Shamika's loved ones continued to search surrounding areas, even looking in nightclubs that teenagers were known to hang out at. They tried looking through the places Jeremy provided to authorities, which was in the East St. Louis vicinity. They even passed out missing persons flyers containing Shamika's photos. Speaking with the Intrigued Full Effect podcast, Paula has even said that her and her searchers decided to look through the St. Louis city of Kinlock, which she stated was an area where she felt potential bodies could be found. But even with all of their efforts, they did not discover one sign leading them to Shamika and not one person came forward that could pinpoint they saw her. With this, Shamika's case went cold, fast, and for a very long time. Her information was entered into NamUs in 2009, and her mother and sisters have submitted their DNA samples with the hopes that a match would come up one day. But it would literally take about a decade to pass before Paula and her family would finally find a new potential clue. Sometime in 2018, while Paula and her two other girls were packing up to move, they located one of Shamika's notebooks, and inside there were some important things written down. The journal entry basically hinted to the idea that Shamika might have been pregnant by a boyfriend at the time. And from what Paula read in her daughter's own words, this notebook seemed to indicate that this boyfriend was upset with the fact that this was even the case. A part of Shamika's entry read, quote, I can't allow him to feel like he got power over me, end quote. 
And that was concerning for Paula. Now, the notebook did not specifically name or identify who Shumika was referring to, but this nonetheless was like finding a little piece of hope that helped her loved ones get inside of her head, or at least where her head may have been right before she vanished without a trace. According to Major Art Jackson of the Berkeley Police Department, a tip was received in 2019 indicating that an individual saw someone who appeared to be Shumika in another state. He stated this in his interview on The Missing that also premiered in 2019 that year, but I have not been able to locate any updates on that since then. As of 2023, there have been no other new leads known regarding the disappearance of Shumika Kosi. Now, while I don't know exactly what happened to her that night, I can say at 16 years old, she did what a lot of teenagers do, and that's not fully be transparent with your parents or guardian in your life. Being that Shumika came from a very hands-on mother and what she felt was an overprotective foundation, she was looking for the opposite, and she wanted to have that independence. Honestly speaking, that day that she disappeared, she probably had a little more freedom at her aunt and her cousin's house. I know when I used to go to certain family members' places or certain friends' houses, it was definitely a different type of time than being under your own roof with your own parents. And as I am an adult now, I can look back on so many things that I've done that literally make me cringe today. But these are the lessons that you learn as you get older. And unfortunately, Shamika in 2008, she was at that vulnerable age where she could be easily influenced. And it is possible that she tried to seek something that she may have not even realized was a potential danger. But at the end of the day, it's also like some of the stuff I just said is irrelevant because Shamika's decisions as a teenager should never be the reason why her case was written off, which I personally feel is what happened with law enforcement in this instance, but that's just my opinion. There is always the possibility that Shamika decided to walk away on her own. Maybe she was scared to face her family if there was some validity to her being pregnant, but I have to reiterate that her loved ones have said she has never ran away before, nor has she threatened to. Her overnight bag was still at her cousin's house, indicating that she had plans on returning. Then Shamika was described as being extremely family-oriented at the time, and it's unimaginable to her loved ones that she would just up and leave and abandon her mom and sisters just because. Paula truly feels that her daughter met up with someone that day, and this was someone that Shamika must have felt comfortable with or had some type of trust in, and Paula believes this person had ill intentions. If Shamika was able to contact her family, Paula believes she would. There is something preventing her daughter from doing so. Her overall final feelings deep down is that she fears Shamika has gotten caught up in sex trafficking. And although this is the reality of what she feels, it will not deter her from giving up or searching. 
When asked by the Daily Blast Live on what Paula would like to see happen regarding Shamika's case, she stated that she was just hoping the investigation could be looked at from the top again. A lot of people she spoke to and the police say they spoke to were young. They were minors at the time who could have been scared and their families just didn't want them to get involved. Paula never expected to be the person doing so much work as far as searching for her missing daughter, and she was really hoping that law enforcement would help her and take the lead. But she does feel a fresh new glance at Shamika's case from the police department could do something. Re-interviewing certain people could open everything in a new light, and things that were overlooked in the past could be looked at from a different perspective. Shamika disappeared in 2008. That was 15 years ago. As far as my research goes for this episode, articles and news outlets really didn't start giving her case some type of attention until about 10 years following that, which was five years ago. Come on, y'all. Now, you cannot tell me if the victim in this situation looked different that this would be the case. There is no one that could convince me otherwise pertaining to Shamika's disappearance, along with the many others out there. I find it baffling, not unheard of, but just very baffling that law enforcement hasn't received any more leads. But the bigger conversation, which is even more worrisome, is that black and brown girls are often overshadowed, pun intended, And they're given this narrative that they are runaways and they'll be back. It's winter break, Paula. She'll come home. Don't worry. Well, winter break turned into 15 years. Or if you break it down more, that's 180 months. Like, why does it always have to be an ulterior motive to missing minorities? I really don't understand. I do think people are more aware now that there is a difference in how people perceive a missing white girl versus a missing black girl or indigenous victim, etc. But there clearly is still a lot of work that needs to be done. And we are not talking about a time difference thing. Natalie Holloway disappeared in 2005, I believe. Maura Murray disappeared in 2004. Then there was the kidnapping of Elizabeth Smart, who disappeared in 2002. And I don't take away from their investigations or anything that their families are going through because I could truly never imagine. However, it is really a blessing that Elizabeth was one of the few who were able to be reunited with her family after experiencing something so heinous and traumatic. But These are all cases prior to the one that I'm discussing in this episode, and there are many cases after that in the same exact boat. And whether you are a true crime fan or not, I guarantee whoever you are listening right now, you know exactly who all three of those young ladies are, or you at least heard of one or two of them, but you probably never heard of Shamika Kosi. Shamika was not somebody plastered all over our TV screens, and she is still not somebody we see plastered on thousands of social media pages, 
even with how advanced technology is now. And why is that? Ashamika would have been 30 years old in October of 2022. Her mom and the rest of her loved ones held a paint party to honor her. They continue to hold out hope that Shamika will be located soon and she is brought home safely. Shamika Kosi also goes by the nickname of Mika. According to NamUs, she's described as being about 5 foot 5 and weighing approximately 135 pounds at the time that she went missing. As always, I will drop some photos on my Instagram, so if you're not following me there, you can do so at black underscore cold underscore podcast. I will also post the age-progressed photo of how Shamika may look today, created by the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children. Anyone with information pertaining to her disappearance can contact the Berkeley Police Department at 314-524-3311.